Listening to Shira and the Podcast of Power. I am your co-host Cindy, and with me I have Brooke. Hi. <laughs> and we've also got Rebecca. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about season one, episode two, The Sword Part Two. On the run from a monster, Adora, Glimmer, and Bo stumble into an ancient first one's ruin, while Shadow Weaver orders Katra to bring Adora back. Adora has a series of shattering revelations that leads her to a fundamental moral choice. I don't know about you guys, but I am loving the the first few episodes of of this show. It has such a good introduction to this universe. It's got all this exposition within the first couple episodes, but it doesn't feel forced. You know what I mean? I love that you're saying this like you've never seen it. It's adorable. I- well, it, it's adorable. It's, uh, it's <laughs> like I've seen it before, but I'm trying to watch it again with fresh eyes, I you like know. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm definitely catching things I haven't noticed nice. the first time around. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like the way that the story starts out in these first few episodes and the way that it develops and the exposition that we get it's done very organically, um, yeah. which is not always easy to do with exposition. Sometimes it can be very clunky. Sometimes, you know, you get a character who's like, you know, exposition Susie and her only job is to tell you what's going on. So th- I don't feel like this show falls into that trap, though. No, not at all. I love and I I, I don't know why, but something about this show, it reminds me of Star Wars in that. It just dumps you into the middle of this universe, and it's just that suspension of disbelief. You're just mm-hmm. expected to go, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. And I love that because they don't have to explain anything to you. You just kind of roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Doctor Who used to be like that until there was that until they had Amy, and they had the whole thing where they had the first like season or two of her where it was uh, the title sequence. She was explaining who she was and who the Doctor was, and that was always annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I hate stuff like that. Especially like there's there's not a lot of like casual viewers of shows like that. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to be flipping through the TV and stop on Doctor Who. Right. People who are watching that well, are watching it. They don't always need that explanation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just sort of stopped and watched it, but that's a whole other thing. But yeah, like <laughs> cuz it's cool just to get dropped in the middle because if you have a ton of exposition right at the beginning, it's like Oh, you just sort of taken me out of this. Yeah, it's not very natural. Yeah, so in this episode, we we pick up right after uh, episode one. It's it's a direct continuation of that. Uh, they are being attacked by this monster, and at the very beginning, uh, we get uh, Dora picking up the sword, and her instincts just kick in, and she she transforms into Shira, and. We get to see Bo and Glimmer's reaction to that. And this, I just, I, I don't know. I must have been in a heightened state of emotion when I watched this. Because in my notes, I wrote, I love them so much, so many times. because <laughs> their reactions are just so good. I, I really enjoy how these characters are drawn and, and animated. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's very much sort of like... Um, 
it's sort of like a throwback to those, like, uh, all those Japanimation cartoons that a lot of us grew up watching, like Sailor Moon mm. and, and stuff like that. And, and certainly a lot of anime today where it's like, <clears throat> their wait, eyes wait, get wait. Real- did you say <laughs> Japanimation? I did. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that term before. <laughs> Japanimation stuff. You know, like in the years where they were shipping basically all animation over to Japan and they were, I mean, they animated everything. They animated Gem and the Holograms and G.I. Joe and Transformers. It and- would have been, it would have been before she was born up through like before she was really cognizant of of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit before your time, Cindy. Yeah, in um, my time, cartoons were animated in Korea. <laughs> Back in my day, we watched our cartoons from Korea and we liked it. Yeah. That's why you went to Korea. You wanted to become a cartoon. It's true, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish I could do that. Become a cartoon. Um, but yeah, like the, the animation reminds me a lot of, of, of that type where like, Either their eyes get really huge or get really small, mm-hmm. and then there's like lots of action lines around them, and like mm-hmm. little hearts will pop up, and yes. uh, mm-hmm. you know that little that little like blush on their cheeks when like something exciting happens, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um, I, I really appreciate that style of animation. It adds to the show. This one isn't as much like that as um, Voltron is. If you've watched the newer Voltron, because oh, yeah. that sort of style, works. like sometimes it seems like it skips a frame in between, you know, like it'll just go bug eyes, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like smoother from one sequence to the, you know, the other. And I, I mean, right. not that I say, I lo- not that I'm saying that I oh, don't like one or the other, but <laughs> I love I like it as a storytelling device, mm-hmm. like not only to show all these different expressions, but it really, it's a really good storytelling advice because you can almost feel what's going on inside of a character's head when you mm-hmm. see their cheeks blush mm-hmm. or their eyes get big and sparkly or their hearts floating around their head. <laughs> it's, I think it's very clever. It's very well done. <laughs> do they ever do with the hearts around the head on this show? I don't think they do. I, I feel like they do. I don't know why I can picture it so clearly. Maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody does. Maybe somebody anyone. does the thing where they put the their hands on the side of their cheek, you know, like the the you know how the they kind of go ah, and then usually there's hearts, <laughs> but maybe there was. <laughs> maybe I've watched so much anime that I'm just filling it in in my head. <laughs> maybe I'm just imagining that this the is what's happening. People become hearts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I, I, I that's. Am I watching? Am I looking up too much fan art? What's going on? <laughs> no, this is real, right? This really happens, doesn't it? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, and the one-liners mm-hmm. in this episode—it's just—it's written so well, and it's just so consistent. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I love their this. The beginning of the episode, they're still. You know, Adora's captured by Bo and Glimmer, and they they bicker quite a bit, and it's it's so charming, and I just all, love all the little one-liners. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite I have written down is is Adora. I didn't know being a princess was contagious. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about usually you can sort of get an idea of what the episode is about. Like this episode deals a lot with trust and stuff. And it was not even just that they had to trust each other, but you know, Adora has to trust herself and all that. It's a heart eyes adjacent, but then it's still got good lessons and, and things like we're just going to be talking like this every episode. (laughs) 
it's not our fault the show is so good. You know, what I'm curious about is what you all thought of her transformation for the first time. How she looked when she became She-Ra. I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the first episode, but here we really see... Mm-hmm. Uh, her transform beyond the transformation, and we see her like in action mm-hmm. as She-Ra. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you all think of that? Badass, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, I really liked it. And um, not only is she taller, but like her legs are thicker. Yes. So it's a girl with thick legs. <laughs> whatever <laughs> i guess i'm feeling like a girl today anyway so not only is she a badass but she's also a thirst trap <laughs> is that what i'm hearing i i, I think that is what you're hearing <laughs> i, guess I can that's feel fair. see right now i'm picturing brooke with red cheeks and hearts in her eyes <laughs> oh we've oh got her embarrassed God, that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> It is a really cool transformation. I, again, listeners, I have no connection to the original show. So I I knew there was going to be something like this. I knew it was like a magical girl transformation kind of thing with Adora being She-Ra, the sword. Um, But I didn't quite know until I saw that not only does she change physically, but she has all these... She's super strong, and she's got these other mystical powers about her. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. She's like, it, it's like a chosen one kind of situation we mm-hmm. come to find out. I was going to say, it, it really is interesting, her transformation, because, of course, in this first episode, she doesn't even, in these first episodes, mm-hmm. she doesn't really even understand how to do it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't understand how she even transformed the first time, much less how to repeat that. Uh, because Bo even wants her to do it. He's like, come on, do it again. Like, mm-hmm. we're in the tight spot. And she's like, I don't know how I even did that. So I think part of the fun of these be- opening episodes mm-hmm. is watching her find out how to control her powers, especially being around somebody like Glimmer, who also, she understands how her powers work, but doesn't always respect her boundaries or respect her own limits of what she can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of interesting to watch these two girls kind of learn to come into their powers and how to use them correctly, how to use them wisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in this episode, we we learn more about Glimmer's powers and we find out she has limitations. Mm-hmm. She can't use them consistently. Mm-hmm. I think that was a shock to even Adora, who was taught that princesses are these powerful evil monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's Glimmer who has to recharge mm-hmm. and she can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite scenes in this episode and even one of my favorite scenes is the whole like series, I think. Well, at least from what I remember after going back and start, does that make sense? Is when they go to the like party that that village is throwing for them or whatever because they saved it. I just love that because it's like they get to see other what other cultures are like on Eternia. Adora yeah. has never gotten to do any of this kind of thing. And just watching her, like, she's got the big, like, quivery eyes because she just can't believe how wonderful this is and how great people are. And they just don't do this kind of thing in the Horde. And it's just really yeah sweet. And, and in this episode, she just she's like, a party? 
what's that? And Bo's like, it's what you do for your birthday. And she's like, a birthday? <laughs> like, we learned so much in this episode mm-hmm. about not not only Adora and Glimmer, but also about the Horde. Because mm-hmm. she's she's never eaten good food. You see her scarfing her face with all those, those yummy mm-hmm. looking foods. Mm-hmm. She didn't know what a party was. She didn't know what a sugar was. They probably don't have caffeine. Yeah, well, we see later on in the series those, like, protein bars that they eat straight out of Snowpiercer. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's Soylent Green. (laughs) Soylent Green? God. (laughs) I I wasn't going that far. (laughs) I mean, Snowpiercer, it's like roaches and stuff, whatever. Um, Anyway, whenever I went back and watched this, I was thinking about whenever she sees, like, the wonders of this party, listeners... Whenever me and Cindy went to the state fair, the first time she ever went, that was like her reaction. (laughs) And it was adorable and wonderful because you go and there's all kinds of terrible junk food for you. There's lots of crazy things to see. There's a whole hall full of stuff to buy and then like booths of like all the counties in Kentucky and then like a whole thing of like art and stuff where people put in their wares to be you know, judged to win prizes and things and it's like she was just oh, like there's a petting oh. zoo. Yes and there's a pet like everything. I got to pet a goat. She it was so adorable and she was exactly like Adora was in this <laughs> scene. She also couldn't turn into She-Ra on uh, on command either. But <laughs> and I wish though. Sometimes I just want to be stronger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing so hard cuz I'm like Oh, I ordered the dog food and it's downstairs and it's 15 pounds and I can't carry it up the steps. Can you get it? And she's just like, yeah, <laughs> like it's nothing. And then she's going, I want to be stronger. And I'm like, I am so weak. I just wish I could even be a little closer to as strong as you are. <laughs> Our 17 pound dog wears me out. <laughs> She's heavy. At least she weighs more than the bag of food we buy for her now. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed this episode. It was really cute. It is cute. It's a really, really good second episode. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this about every episode. It's a really good third episode. (laughs) It's a really good 53rd episode. (laughs) Um, There's only 52 episodes, Cindy. Really? Yes. Don't change that. Because we get so much. I forgot just how much they can pack into like 25 minutes. Because we get our first glimpse of not only is Adora She-Ra, now that she's connected with the sword, but she can read First One's mm-hmm. writing. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, you can't read that? <laughs> she's like, it says Eternia, guys, come on. And they're like, what? Nobody's been able to read that. They're like, we didn't even know those words. <laughs> she's like, I don't speak First One's. And they're like, yeah, you are. Well, like, at the end, too, we see uh, the Horde to come back, and Catcher's just like, what are you doing here? Why do you have that stupid thing on? Because she had, like, a flower in her ear, Adora did, and, you know, and it was kind of funny, because she's like, oh, uh, you know, and it's like being in middle school, and one of your friends being like, that backpack is stupid, and you're like, oh, uh, yeah, I got it, because it was stupid, which usually I do get things, because I think they're um <laughs> but you know it's like not like because everybody else is gonna be like Ugh. right you try to play it off as ironic yeah and it's like no i just like, want to I, agree know, with yeah. your friends oh yeah, yeah yeah and i was like oh it's so sad because you shouldn't have to do that for your, you should just be able to say i have a flower in my hair and i like it Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think one of the themes of of 
this episode is really about acceptance and um certainly Adora is looking for acceptance. You know, she thought she had it with the Horde, uh, with Katra being her close friend. She thought, you know, these people are like my family, like they'll always accept me, except that when she started to change, when she started to get more information and begin to feel differently about her entire ideology, the people that she thought were closest to her really turned their backs on her. She had to find a new group, a new family to be with. And I think that's certainly something that a lot of people can relate to. People, uh, when they begin to sort of accept their true selves, um, definitely lose family and friends as they change and have to look for new people to be with. And and I think that's definitely one of the themes that this episode does talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. This episode, this is where it starts to break my heart. We're only two episodes in and I'm already just absolutely crushed. Because I'm already so invested and connected to these characters. Mm -hmm. This will come up so many times throughout the series, but it's always, Catra says, you left me. And in this episode, we see Adora wants Catra to come with her. She invites Catra to, like, no, come find out the truth with me. And Mm -hmm. Catra says no. Catra's like... I I know the Horde. The Horde is where I grew up. I'm going to stay there where I'm comfortable. And I think it's because she's scared. Yeah. She, that that's all she's ever known. She, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to find out the truth because she's afraid. And I, I think also, too, we see a lot of Shadow Weaver in this episode and how absolutely horrible Shadow Weaver is to Catra. Mm-hmm. And I think to an extent, Catra's afraid of what Shadow Weaver would do to her if she left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think as we get further into the series, we see that Catra's definitely controlled by the Horde through fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uses that fear as well. She to won't admit control. to that. Right. But no, she, well, she, she oh, won't she's admit so to it. You're absolutely right on that one. And then, um, you know, she then uses fear and that same attitude to then try to control others in her life, like namely Scorpia, mm-hmm. like we see mm-hmm. the dynamic, you know, this is all future stuff, but like we see the dynamic between Katra and Scorpia. And that's definitely a, a very toxic friendship because Katra doesn't know how to be a good friend. The other thing I think that mirrors with that is Katra is scared of Shadow Weaver, but she also wants her approval. Mm-hmm. So bad. Oh, sure. You know, mm-hmm. like she wants, she just, she wants her to think of her like she does Adora, but it, it's not really going to happen. Then whenever we get to Scorpia, Scorpia wants Catra to be as much of her friend as Scorpia is to Catra. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's, oh, it's, and Scorpia absolutely holds Catra on a pedestal. Yeah. To Scorpia, Catra can do no wrong. And yeah. I think Catra finally got that approval and she took advantage of it. Yeah. Oh, 100% yeah. she took advantage of that. What One of the things we were talking about before about acceptance, you know, you, you see Glimmer very reluctant to accept Adora or to look at her beyond just a horde soldier. And of course, there's a lot of emotions tied up in that. There's anger, there's sadness, there's frustration. To You know, they, they've been fighting against the horde all these years. But w- one of the things is, like, 
you see Bo very quickly, he has sympathy for Adora. He mm-hmm. feels sorry for her very quickly because, like, she doesn't know what a party is. She doesn't know what a festival mm-hmm. is. She doesn't, she's never had, you know, these, like, sweet uh, little treats that she's eating at the I mean, she's, like, gobbling everything yeah. up. She's mm-hmm. never had any of these things before. And Bo very quickly feels sorry for her and mm-hmm. kind of is like, hey, she's never done any of these things before. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's try to have some empathy here. But Glimmer's not ready to do that yet. Mm-hmm. And it's, it takes her quite a while um, to get to that point. But you kind of see Bo's in a different place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's just, a, I mean, people are multi-layered and different. Mm-hmm. And he was ready to be that person. Mm-hmm. I think for him, it helps because he's not a princess. <laughs> he doesn't have power. <laughs> so he is used to being different than other his friends and stuff but they take him as he is so he is returning that favor to Adora right and I think a lot of that I I love Bo and Glimmer's connection and their relationship and their dynamic together and I love that Bo he put himself in this situation he didn't have to join the rebellion he didn't have to fight for them he he volunteered whereas Glimmer was born into it Mm mm-hmm as the daughter of Angela and Micah. Mm-hmm. Right. But Glimmer, she she embraces it. She wants to fight for the rebellion, but at the same time, she didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. been her life growing up. And, and certainly as we get into the series, we see more and more how few choices Glimmer really has. Mm-hmm. Um, as more responsibilities get put on her shoulders and as more things happen to her and around her, she does not have the luxury of choosing as much as someone like Bo does mm-hmm. or someone like Adora does. Which is weird because Adora didn't have any choices in the Horde and then mm-hmm. she didn't have any choice whether she wanted to be she or not. That was sort of thrust upon her. You know, right. Yeah. But then once she's able to control it and everything and she gets used to being in Bright Moon, like she can go wherever she wants and do whatever she wants and eat whatever she wants where poor Glimmer can't really do any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially once yeah, she I... becomes queen, if she yeah. feels like she's stuck. Even though she doesn't stay around the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Adora's decision in this episode to not go back with Katra, to stay in this town until the horde leaves you know this is the first choice she's made mm-hmm. i mean she's really the first choice she's made and mm-hmm. and yeah. she chooses to not go back to the horde at this point and it's really interesting how to her this is like well this must be just one big mistake there's no way the horde would attack some civilian town right and and then Catra's like did you like just meet the horde? Like, do you not? I mean, uh-huh. she, she, the the area where they hang out is called the fright zone. Like, did, did I, I don't know what it, did not clue Adora into the fact that they were bad guys, but it's well, probably it's, it's a funny moment. Fright is probably not a bad word there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe. And it, didn't know what a birthday was. I still love when they're like the evil horde. <laughs> And then she's like, who calls it that? Who calls us that? Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, everybody she, calls us that. Uh, to bring it to be a little bit lighter, Adora, she's so dumb. She's <laughs> dumb and she's clumsy and I love her so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is, she's definitely a little, a little dumb. She's definitely clumsy, but she's just so genuine that mm-hmm. you really, it just becomes, makes her quirky. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's really a genuinely good person. Even though she's certainly like not on the side of the princesses at this point, 
she does see something happening that she knows is wrong, right? She's, yeah, she's been told that the horde only, you know, attacks military mm-hmm. stuff and not civilians. Mm-hmm. And she sees the horde clearly attacking a civilian town and she knows it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so she wants to stay and make it right. So she does have a sense of right and wrong. And I feel like in the, these two episodes, we've really seen her embrace that and realize that she has to leave the horde. Okay. So hear me out. Adora is Steve Rogers. And Shira is Captain America. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm on board. Right? Okay. Because, okay, okay, you know, okay, when he okay. was Steve, before he had this super soldier serum, uh, before he was in the hottie boyfriend machine, as Rebecca calls it, who can blame me? <gasps> does that make Catra Bucky? Okay. <laughs> that does make Catra Bucky. It I really does. So. You know, this is all coming together. Yes. I, I'm on board now. Yes. This is it. Because, you this know, is like. quickly becoming an MCU podcast. Yes. He was little and. He couldn't really fight or anything. And even though she, Steve, after he has the serum, he's like a very good strategist and all that, even though he doesn't know about a lot of things. And that's how she is. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she's planning all these things that they're doing later on. So it's not like she's dumb, dumb. She just doesn't know. She's a knowledgeable. So, but you know, and it's like Steve doesn't know the reference to, I don't know. I can't think. All I can think of is he knows the Wizard of Oz reference and that's the opposite. (laughs) Right. It's a similar sort of thing. It's just, she doesn't have the internet to tell her things she wants to know. She has these two people and a horse eventually. <laughs> a, a pegacorn. Um, horsey. <laughs> horsey. Are we are we just gonna gloss over horsey? Horsey. I love they call the horse oh, horsey. <laughs> when she sees the horse and and Bo's like, Do you wanna go pet it? And she's like, No, absolutely not. And she's like so flustered and I'm like, Yeah, that's me at every Comic Con I've ever been to when I met to celebrity. <laughs> like she definitely seems like the horse at the time is some a hot person she doesn't want to talk to. She's too embarrassed goes to pet it and she's like oh, so majestic yeah yeah <laughs> she might have gotten hard eyes when she saw the horse i feel she, she definitely had big eyes yeah she's she's so sweet but mm-hmm. she's also incredible in that as soon as the attack started in Thaymor at this party mm-hmm. she just immediately jumped into action mm-hmm. she just she took charge it's no wonder she became a force captain mm-hmm. in that first episode because she just she just took charge and she's like i will fix this let's let's go you all get out of here she just immediately in her element she was raised to be a fighter she's a captain he's a captain it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they're blonde mm-hmm. oh my yes. gosh okay you guys i've got to really totally do something about this <laughs> We need to have, like, a She-Ra Captain America mashup thing happen. Uh, Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm going to work on that. (laughs) Don't you worry. Because, like, you know, in the Winter Soldier, like, Bucky's more like Catra, except for Catra actually remembers Adora. (laughs) Because she's mad because she remembers Adora, and she's mad that she left, whereas Bucky has had his mind erased, and he's just mad because he's had his mind erased. Yeah. I have so many emotions. (laughs) This is killing me. (sighs) Anyway, good episode. It really is. I love these first several episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do set the tone. I do appreciate how at the end of the episode where Shira or Adora realizes the consequences of her actions where she's like, I've left the horde. Where am I supposed to go now? I mean, this is the, all that she knows. She's basically left her 
her family home and she has no clue where to go next. And this is when Glimmer is ready to accept her because she's seen what she can do and mm-hmm. she's seen that she made a choice to be on their side. And mm-hmm. and she tells her, you know, don't worry, you're with us now. And she's ready to sort of take her in. And so it's a really great end to the episode where Shira finds or Adora finds a new home, new friends, and she's going to start this exciting new chapter of her life. But mm-hmm. we did see Catra, you know, kind of leave and you you could see she was she was devastated that oh. Adora left the horde. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, Adora's got new friends and she seems all happy, but it's like Adora Not only that, to come but with Adora's them. a princess. Yes. Yes, who they've been told is terrible. Mm-hmm. She asked Catra to come with her. But she wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So she could have ended her misery a lot sooner. <laughs> And not have to deal with all the other stuff that she had to deal with the rest of these seasons. Or be mean to people the way she was. I think that's, again, we can bring up the nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. And also, too, I think people hit rock bottom or not rock bottom. That's not the right word. People hit a turning point in their lives at their own pace. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw Adora hit a turning point right here in episode two, mm-hmm. but Catra won't find her turning point until much later on. And it's that character had to go through whatever they had to go through to get ready to, to, to get to that point. You know, Adora here is just starting out on her journey of learning about She-Ra, of who she is and what she can do. And then we're also going to watch Catra kind of lean into being like the bad guy and watch her try to find fulfillment in that role as well. So, yeah, this is a really great o- opening episodes to our to our our show. Mhm. And then there's Bo, who oh, just Bo. immediately best friend squad. Yes. You've known Adora for a total of 12 hours and you're like best friend squad. Yeah. He's, so he's um Bo is a really sort of because he's not a princess and because he doesn't have the same powers that they do, he's really more of like a support to them. Mm-hmm. And so and he knows that and he's he, okay with yes, that. And I know that. that he's fine in that role. He's happy in that role to be the supportive role to these powerful girls and women. is no problem with it. And toxic and, masculinity who? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's like the whole point is that yeah. he's, he's comfortable enough in his own skin as a person to have this role. But I think I see here that in, in this episode for sure he is the glue that begins to hold this best friend squad together. And mm-hmm. and he will continue to be that glue, even when Adora and Glimmer butt heads, as they will many times mm-hmm. in this show. I'm just sitting here shaking my head. <laughs> I was like, oh, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, Bo being like, best friend squad, just like hours after meeting Adora. I mean, basically, me and Cindy did that whenever we met, and she had on TARDIS earrings, and I was wearing a shirt that was a cosplay. I was wearing a whole outfit that was a Clara cosplay outfit. We kind of became best friends in that moment. But, you know. It was immediate. Yeah. <laughs> now she can't get rid of me. <laughs> I think Bo ever feels that. <laughs> that he can't get rid of them. <laughs> uh. No, I don't think he does. <laughs> I just, I love Bo so much. I'm going to say this over and over. I just love them all. So. I know. Did you know, I don't know if it's true or not. I didn't fact check it, but I read something online that said our brains can't distinguish real people from fictional people. Really? I don't know if that's true, but it feels true. And you no, know, I think that's true. Actually. It explains a lot. <laughs> I think that's true. So there's just all these people living in my head rent-free. Well, you know, it's like if you saw, I don't know, if you saw Tom Hanks walking down the street (laughs) when he was thinner and you were like, Forrest Gump! Actually, people would probably do it anyway. But you know what I mean? Like, because 
that's how it is like with characters or you know people play iconic characters too and it really kind of fixates in your mind or whatever and sometimes you can't separate that even like if you read a book or whatever you just get so engaged in some sort of media you know a cartoon or a book or whatever and with a Mr. Darcy yeah is real. right he's my boyfriend <laughs> right <laughs> That's fine. That's probably healthier than than me saying that real people are my boyfriend when I don't know them. <laughs> you may have a point there, although I do that as well. Pedro Pascal, if you're listening. <laughs> I mean, because I just can't say it anymore about Chris Evans because I've met him because then it seems creepier for some reason. <laughs> I get that. I feel that. And Tom Hiddleston, since I met both of them. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's dwindling down because I've met so many of them. Never meet your heroes <laughs> because then you can't make fake boyfriend situations no, in your never head. Never meet the people off your list. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'll just keep my list of fictional characters. And keep <laughs> my Oh, but does anyone have anything else about the sword part two? I think we did a pretty good job covering it. I think we, we covered all the big points. It's not like we can't go back and it's like, oh, we forgot to say this thing. Cause, and we've got so much more to go. True, true. <laughs> it's so hard to avoid jumping ahead, but I've seemed to do that this whole episode because <laughs> there's so, so many plot points are set up to early on and then they have a nice payoff later on. So. Right? But, and that um, just really just... To yeah. the to the writing of the show, sure. it's a real compliment on how it all just because you you for sure with the show you get you know the the standalone episodes the monster of the week kind of thing, but then you get the overall story arc and they just they find a really good balance with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well that wraps up for uh, season one, episode two. Thank you so much for listening to Shira and the Podcast of Power again. I'm Cindy. Uh, I'm Brooke. <laughs> I'm Rebecca. (laughs) And we will talk to you next time. Uh, Be strong and be brave. on Facebook and Twitter at Horde to Hero. That's Horde, the number two, Hero. Or find us at HordeToHero.com. <laughs> <laughs>